All right. Well, welcome. Um, we're going to be taking some, oh, there we go. Nice little view down memory lane with the home here. But um, we're going to be taking a few trips to uh, cover some of the early days of the COVID coronavirus in my neck of the woods in California, um, in the, the East Bay, um, specifically Castro Valley, um, San Francisco, Hayward, East Bay area, Oakland, all of that. So just kind of covering some of that maybe, um, but also like some of my early notes for the book that I'm still currently working on. And as you can tell, probably by now, you know, I put it to the, to the side, still working on it. There's a great book out there right now. If you have not read it, it is called The Real Anthony Fauci uh, by Robert F. Kennedy Jr. on audible.com. I got it there. So um, uh, when I tried to purchase the physical book on online, it said like it would not get here till Christmas Eve 2021. So I figured, well, I'll just read the Audible book first. And I've only gotten through what a couple hours of it. And it is an amazing book. So much data, so much stuff that I did not know about, about Dr. Fauci, definitely. Um, and I've learned a lot just from what I've read so far from this book. So I highly encourage everybody to check out that book if you can. And what I figure we'll do here is kind of go through some of the early, uh, early days, the early stages of um, some of my early notes when the coronavirus first happened. And um, again, this will all be included in a book at some point, who knows, I'm working on a Kyle Rittenhouse book and uh, still got the voter fraud book and never finished my Shadows and Light book. Um, so that should be coming up next, but hopefully we'll be able to get to it soon. Um, and a few other pro projects here too, but this, is going to be specifically just about um, the coronavirus, the early days of the coronavirus. So let's get right into it. Okay, so what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna open up this and uh, this kind of takes me back to where it all began. Let's see if this works, there it is. And we'll also zoom this in a little bit. Make that a little bigger for you, for me. Can move this, punch this up here in the corner. Okay, so I mean, obviously, we started this whole thing off with a um, uh, with a quote from Dr. Anthony Fauci. This is dated January tenth, two thousand seventeen. He says, "The history of the last thirty-two years that I have been the director of the NIAID will tell the next administration that there is no doubt they will be faced." with the challenges their predecessors were faced with. Yeah, I'm gonna read that one more time. The history of the last 32 years that I have been the director of the NIAID will tell the next administration that there is no doubt they will be faced with the challenges their predecessors were faced with, much better. And that is the director of the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases, Dr. Anthony S. Fauci, dated January 10th, 2017. And then um, that is from the website, the georgetown.edu website, pandemic prep 2017. So right on time, right on schedule, <laughs> as you can see here. So here's what we have. When I began writing this book, the coronavirus had infected people 
in over 150 countries. As of March 18, 2020, there was a total of 204,029 reported cases, 8,241 deaths, and 82,107 people who recovered from coronavirus, from COVID-19. In the beginning, I did not take this seriously. Social media posts about bat soup only encouraged me to laugh it off and keep scrolling. When I finally began to pay attention to COVID-19, I was devastated by what was going on. Searching for the origin of the virus, I found three different stories that did not involve bat soup. The virus came from market in China. I guess that does involve bat soup. <laughs> it came from a laboratory in China and it came from a United States laboratory, which was true. I'm still not sure and this book will not answer that question. Um, and hopefully, I think that's one of the questions that has gotten lost in all this right now when we're dealing with the boosters and this and get your vax and you're killing people if you don't get the vaccination, et cetera, et cetera. But, um, you know, let's, let's really figure out where did this thing start? How did all of this start? What happened here? How did we get to this spot? And what are we doing to hold some people uh, accountable? Um, whether any of these three theories are, are true. Did it come from a lab, from a China lab? Did it come from a United States lab? Did it come from a marketplace in China, in, in Wuhan? So um, that's where I kind of began looking into this. And again, these are early, early notes. Um, there may have been some of this, hopefully that has been proven or disproven or taken seriously or whatever, but um, these are just some of the early notes that I had while working on this book. And uh, you can see I got pretty far, about 150 pages or so before I got derailed on two other projects. So I tried to document the events in real time so we could see how the stories change. That's very important too. Uh, any good journalist knows, knows that, especially in those early days, you want to catch everything early before things get scrubbed, before things get changed. Um, this is before, obviously, before I knew about um, Dr. Fauci. And like I said, the book that I've been reading uh, the Robert F. Kennedy Jr. book, The Real Anthony Fauci, is an amazing read that I would strongly suggest for anybody that wants to learn not only about this, but about Dr. Fauci's past, which I had no idea about, none. Now, as I learned a little bit more about event 201, and like we had that first quote that, that he had there, my suspicions were really growing and everything, and people were telling me about who this guy was. Um, and then the way that he turned on Trump and he, Trump is saying one thing in the press conferences and this guy's saying a totally different thing. And you can see what he's doing now, the way that he's being hailed as this great person. He's got the book out. He's got all that stuff. So all of that, you know, made me think, okay, this guy is shady. There's something wrong here. But reading Robert F. Kennedy's book really helped me nail down some of the facts. And it's like, wow, okay, this guy was involved in the AIDS research and the whole pharma pharmaceuticals. He was holding back. Um, there's a movie, I forget, something about Dallas. Um, I wish I knew the name of the movie. I did not see it, but, you know, people were, were dying because of some of the things that he and some of his cohorts were, were doing. But, um, obviously I can't articulate it as well as Robert F. Kennedy Jr. does in, in his book. It is an amazing book. And if you really want to know some of the background quickly about Dr. Fauci, um, that's an excellent starting point, excellent starting point. And I'm just blown away by some of the stuff that I'm learning by reading that book. All right, so um, 
Let's see, yeah, so it was important to try to document this in real time. I had no idea what would happen or where the facts would lead us, but I felt it was important to document this case for historical purposes. My only regret is that I did not take this case as seriously in the beginning, which led me to the question, where did this all begin? Did this begin in December of 2019? The first reports of a virus came in around that time, but that's just when the general public first learned of the quote-unquote viral pneumonia, which is what they were calling it in the very beginning. On December 12, 2019, the Wuhan Municipal Health Commission stated there were 27 people who had the mysterious quote-unquote viral, viral pneumonia. <clears throat> Various reports stated the virus originated from the Wuhan Seafood Whole Food Market in Wuhan, China. The first person to die from the viral pneumonia was a 61-year-old Chinese man inside of China. And then I put the, the, uh, the article there, too. Hopefully, it's still up, but that's, that was the source of that article. Okay, so that's uh, page one. I guess we're going to go on to page two here, and here we go. So the virus, COVID-19. That is the reason why the United States President Donald Trump first labeled the virus as the China virus. Why do you insist on calling it the China virus? <laughs> Trump was actually asked this question during one of the press conferences. If you've ever seen his press conferences, I mean, they are they're inter entertaining, but the way that he handles these media hacks is just awesome. And here's his response. Here's his answer, because it came from China. So that's why he was calling it the China virus, because it came from China. And I think because people were acting like they were so upset about that, that he kept on calling it that. Um, that's my guess on it anyway. So uh, by January 5th, 2020, there were 59 viral cases reported in Wuhan. Still the Wuhan, the uh, WMH commission told the public it found no clear evidence proving human to human transmission. People who have been in close contact with the patients, including medical workers have not been infected. Interesting. So that's what they were saying. So the Wuhan Health Commission is definitely um, uh, running a little cover up here. All right, the WHO, the World Health Organization. On January 14, 2020, the World Health Organization, WHO, posted on Twitter, preliminary investigations conducted by the Chinese authorities have found no clear evidence of human-to-human -human transmission of the novel coronavirus 2019 NC. OV identified in Wuhan, China. Okay. On March 18, 2020, author and former DC Bureau Chief for, in, for Investors Business Daily, Paul Sperry, had an interesting post regarding the relationship between WHO and China developing, Sperry wrote, Sperry, Sperry. Uh, China pressured the World Health Organization to play down the seriousness of COVID-19 in January and who has praised China's response while steering blame from it. Why? China's WHO, con China's WHO contri contributions have grown by 52% since 2014 to 86 million and so and has China's influence over WHO. Interesting. Now, Donald Trump Jr. was not shy of accusing Hu of being on China's quote-unquote payroll. And here's what he said. Um, it's amazing. Hu is obviously on China's payroll. Nice little pun there. World Health Organization, January 14th. Preliminary investigations conducted by the Chinese authorities have found 
uh, have found no clear evidence of human-to-human -human transmission of the novel coronavirus. Wow, interesting. There is that. And that is dated, that was uh, Donald Trump Jr.'s tweet from 11.42 a.m. March 18, 2020. Now, another reason to document all of this stuff is because as we're seeing, things are getting shadow banned, things are getting censored, things are getting taken off. So we'll see what happens with this here. But this series is just, you know, not to blame anybody, but just to cover uh, some of the early notes, some of the early stuff that I was seeing way back when we can compare it to what, what we see now, to what we see happening now. Um, let's move on. January 28, 2020. U.S. Attorney for Massachusetts Andrew Lelling announced on January 28, 2020, the chair of Harvard University's Department of Chemistry and Chemical Biology, Dr. Charles Lieber, was indicted on charges he lied about his ties to the Chinese government. In a press conference, U.S. Attorney Lelling stated China paid labor hundreds of thousands of dollars over the years for his involvement with the Chinese entities and for his work on research for Chinese gain. Gain of function. <laughs> Lieber was allegedly a contractor hired by the Wuhan Institute of Technology in China. Authorities also stated Lieber, Lieber, whatever you want to say his name was, was the head of a private group with contracts from the Department of Defense and the National Institute of Health. And that's from an article, cbslocal.boston.cbslocal.com. Now, these articles, too, I did try to back them up as a PDF in case, for whatever reason, they disappear from the Internet. So instead of having to go through the way back, you know, having to go way back to go find them, um, maybe we'd be able to just kind of look at it right here. So that was kind of the goal that we had. <clears throat> All right. So let's see. Da -da. All right. Now, on the same day, the FBI issued a federal arrest warrant for Yang Yi. Of course, I'm going to butcher that name, who most likely fled to China to avoid questioning. We'll just call him Yi. Okay. Yi was a member of the Chinese Communist Party and a lieutenant in the People's Liberation Army. Oh, the PLA, according to the FBI. Yang Quin Yi was charged with acting as an agent of a foreign government visa fraud making false statements and conspiracy. Between October of 2017 and April of 2019, Yi studied at, lost my spot there, look at that. That's not good. Uh, bah, 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 bah. That's what happens when you try to record live sometimes, that's okay. <clears throat> okay, uh, we're, between October of 2017 and April of 2019, Yi studied at Boston University's Department of Physics chemistry, and biomedical engineering. During that time period, according to the FBI, Yi allegedly continued to work as a PLA lieutenant, completing numerous assignments from PLA officers, such as conducting research, assessing United States military websites, and sending United States documents and information to China. Spies, 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 spies here. And it's so weird, isn't it? How they, how um, the government has been treated China. I mean, look at the way that, um, look at the way that President Trump treated China, and the way that um, <laughs> Biden is treating China. It's a big, big difference, right? So, you know, Trump was talking about this. What is, what is Biden doing? You know, it's they've just kind of moved past it. It's like, well, 
get your boosters, get your shot, all that, as if that is going to, to save you. If you get to the root of the problem, figure out how this happened, figure out who created this virus, where did this virus come from? Because it does look like it was created. It's targeting certain people. It's targeting specific people. Not everybody gets it. Not everybody has it. If some people that get it, a couple days, like Trump, a couple days, you know, they're done. Boom. I know people who have gotten it. They've lived from it. In the beginning, we really made it seem like, and I can tell by my own writing here, looking back at some of the way that I'm writing some of this stuff here, yeah, I was even falling into the trap. If you get it, you will die. <laughs> That's not the case here. Um, and we get to that a little bit later on in this as well. But okay, a day earlier on March 17, 2020, Edward Ping was found guilty of acting as an agent of the People's Republic of China's uh, Ministry of State Security, the MMS, in connection with the scheme to conduct pickups known as dead drops and transports secured digital SD cards from a source in the United States to the MSS operatives in China. So there's nothing new about these um, spies. I felt it was very coincidental. I also liked the fact that they were being prosecuted too. Um, I don't know if there's been any prosecutions here under Biden. Uh, rarely would I hear about it under Barack Obama. It could have been happening. Maybe I just didn't hear about it, didn't know about it. But this all here seemed like this was kind of right out in our faces as all of this is happening, as everything is is happening. It's like they're finally doing something of, about this. And uh, so is it related? I would think so. Hey, kid, where are you going, kitty? Cat's trying to make a little cameo here, but um, so that is what's going on with that. Ping was ordered to spend four years in prison and pay a $30,000 fine. Ping was first arrested on September 27th. 2019 at his home in Hayward, California. Whoa, my neck of the woods, like really, really close to me right here in Castor Valley, but, and pled guilty on November 25th, 2019. So there it is, you know, again, is this connected? Is, you know, we've got spy rings here, we've got all this stuff happening. The virus just happens to come from China. Uh, if you've ever seen the movie, uh, the Brad Pitt movie called World War Z, it's a pretty interesting movie, and actually I watched it uh, a couple weeks ago and was noticing the similarity. Maybe it's a subconscious thing, but the similarities between the virus. In, in that movie, the virus gets started in Taiwan, and in this movie, or in this movie, <laughs> in real life, what we're dealing with now, what it looks like is that it got started in China. It could be in a military base, too. I mean, that's also possible. It's the numbers in China, the fact that it, this, you know, the first earliest re recorded cases were coming out of China. And the fact that, you know, it, it spreads all these other countries and there's huge numbers. When you look at the China numbers, it's like it almost didn't even happen here. The numbers are so low in China. There's no way anybody can really think that, that those numbers are real. So that's a whole other issue that we'll get into and deal with. But Okay, according to the Department of Justice, Ping admitted that in March of 2015, so this would be before um, President um, Trump got in office. In March of 2015, an official from the People's Republic of China, the PRC, introduced himself to Ping while Ping was on a business trip to China. The official asked Ping to use his citizenship in the United States to assist the official with matters of interest to the PRC. 
Ping eventually came to understand that the official was employed as an intelligence or security services officer for the PRC, specifically in the Ministry of State Security, MSS, and nevertheless agreed to perform activities in the United States on behalf of the PRC. Ping's plea acknowledged that he knew he was acting on behalf of the government of the PRC. And there is the uh, document there. It's kind of interesting that it's in Hayward, obviously, very, very close to where I'm at here. And then um, some of the early reports stated, um, I think one of the, and we'll, we'll get to that here later on, but one of the early reports came from Santa Clara. Santa Clara is not too far, Santa Clara, California. It's not too far from where we are here. Um, so again, we have all this stuff going on. Is it related? Is it just a coincidence? Or is two completely separate things? I don't know, but a lot of this stuff here um, may not make sense to people when they read this. Like, what does this have to do with the virus or have to do with anything? But all right. So again, we're just going to be taking a little dive here um, as I have time as. I'm able to to kind of go through this. I just thought it would be good. Hopefully this will uh, kind of inspire me to kind of keep going with this book and everything. So that's kind of another goal that I have with this. So hit the control L. No, come on, hit the control L. There we go. And maximize that screen. I'm gonna maximize it even more here so we can go through this together. Okay, so that was what we just read. That's the whole thing. So you can read the whole um, document there. It is all the, well, once I guess once the book comes out or once I do something with this, you'll be able to read that if you want to. If not, it's okay. And like I said, you know, some people may think it's related, some others may think that it's not. So that was from March 17, 2020, uh, when it was updated, not when it was first released, but. Here's what we have from March 9th, 2020. Andrew Lelling uh, talked about the threat of Chinese espionage in the United States. And again, for some reason, I really do think this is all tied. It's all tied into this. It's my guess, just a guess. Could be wrong, wouldn't be the first time. So uh, Andrew Lelling says, uh, I think people now are more aware that there's a real threat from Chinese nationals whether they are intelligence officers or private citizens coming to the U.S., collecting U.S. technology or stealing trade secrets and taking it back to China. So I put the YouTube link there too um, that may have been taken down, but all, a lot of this stuff, you know, this is all public stuff. It's just all I'm just kind of tracking it. So here was the first case in the Bay Area that we know about, at least. Um, January 31st. So on January 31st, 2020, the first case of the coronavirus in the Bay Area and the seventh case in the United States was discovered in Santa Clara, California. Understandably, very little was revealed about the patient. According to County Health Officer Dr. Sarah Cody, an adult male traveled to Wuhan, China and fell ill after returning to Santa Clara on January 24, 2020. The male was self-isolated at home and had very little contact with people after returning to the United States. We are quite fortunate in this case, Dr. Sarah Cody stated, as I think the list of contacts is going to be very short, Cody said. At that time, Dr. Cody was more concerned with the flu than COVID-19, rightfully so, I think. Right now, we're at the peak of the flu season. Peak of the flu season, here we are. We're in December of 2021. Peak of the flu season, here's what she says back in 2020. 
uh, January 31st, 2020. Right now we're at the peak of the flu season. The flu circulating widely. It's far more likely for people to become ill from the flu, but the general message is if you're sick, stay home. And that is from sfgate.com. And I think that's still, you know, that's always been the, the thing. It's like a lot of, even jobs are like, you know, not really, we got to this point here, maybe in the last 10, 20 years, they're not really encouraged, you know, if you stay home, oh, there's something wrong. But if you're sick, stay home. You know, that, that's always been the thing that should be common sense. Um, employers, employments need to encourage that too, not to shy away from that or run from that. Like if people are sick, don't get them in the office. But I know some jobs, are, are different in some places, you know, they frown upon that stuff. So, but anyways, she makes a great point here that, you know, this is the peak of the flu season here and we're about a month um, away. So in 20, you know, in January, 2022, that's going to be the peak. And it's like, there's no more flu. It's all COVID now. It's all COVID-19 now. Um, but why, you know, so, the flu kills more people than COVID. You know, what the heck is going on here? And I think that's why a lot of people think there's something else going on. But that is from an article there. So you have access. You can go and look that one up. Now, here's the martial law question, because I was waiting for this, waiting for this. So once Gavin Newsom, somehow he, got, he uh, did not get recalled, which is another, another incident, another issue. But on March 4th, 2020, California Governor Gavin Newsom declared a state of emergency in California due to the threat of COVID-19. The proclamation of a, of a state of emergency recognized Wuhan City in the province of Hubei, China as the source of COVID-19. This is it by March. This is where it came from here. The proclamation also stated the respiratory illness was first identified in December of 2019. The state of emergency included 14 points of order and the entire proclamation is provided here for your research purposes. The Center for Disease Control and Prevention established a COVID-19 incident management system on January 7, 2020 and activated its emergency operations center on January 21st of 2020. According to the state of emergency proclamation on January 23rd, 2020, the CDC activated its emergency response system to provide ongoing support for the response to COVID-19 across the country. And then I have that. And all this stuff, I really tried to make sure that I backed up. So they're all PDFs, um, a lot of these PDFs, just in case something happens to them. But this is um, the state of emergency proclamation um, for Gavin Newsom. And you can see how they kind of have, uh, I really want him to follow up on that. So let's see, page 11, eh, it's about three pages or so, page 12, yeah, maybe four pages. So anyways, I try to include as much of just the real, you know, the actual documentation there for your research purposes, obviously, page 14. So here we go. So this is where it really gets into, let's see if I can move this around here. Move this, or no, all right. So, this is where it gets into uh, some of the more interesting things here. I'm just trying to move my trying to move this guy around. 
All right, so here we go. So on March 17, 2020, California Governor Gavin Newsom publicly mentioned the possibility of martial law while speaking with reporters. Now, he's being asked about this, obviously, a few times. I think he kind of avoids the question, but eventually it's, it's going to come up. We know it's going to. I'm kind of glad that they asked this question here. Here's what Gavin Newsom is saying, um, and this is from a video, from a live video. Governor Newsom reiterated he was certain the guidelines related to non-essential events provided to local authorities would be followed, suggesting, suggesting there would be no need for martial law. As I said in the past, Governor Newsom responded when asked about exercising martial law, if you want to establish a framework of martial law. Whoops. Sorry, guys. So he says, as I said in the past, if you want to establish a framework of martial law, which is ultimate authority and enforcement, we have the capacity to do that. But we are not at this moment feeling that is a necessity. And to the extent that people do not socialize and support this very directive guidance, I would be surprised. And we have all the confidence it will be. Ask what he would do. So it's, he's kind of, you know, it's a wordplay thing, but hey, if you guys aren't, doing what we're telling you to, to do. We may need to forcibly um, exercise martial law to stop people from socializing. Um, and if you're not following these directives that we're giving, that may happen in the future. Almost like a veiled threat, I guess. Some people might take it like that. But um, uh, so here's what we have. But he also makes it clear that he doesn't think that people are going to do that. He expects people to basically follow these guidelines, to social distance, to follow all of these things so that it never comes to martial law. Uh, but that reporter um, says, uh, asked what he would do if those guidelines were not followed. Newsom responded, we have the capacity to enforce martial law if necessary. And that is a signature. Simple. So they're very aware of what they can do according to what they think we can do. But he also wants to make it clear, we don't need to get there right now, Governor Newsom quickly added, but we're preparing for anything. We are directing all the bars, nightclubs, wineries, he's a part of them, we caught all that, we caught it in the winery, brew pubs and the like, be closed in the state of California. We believe this is a non-essential function in our state, and we believe that it's appropriate under the circumstances to move in that direction, to close these businesses. So they get to select and choose which businesses should be open and which ones should be closed. And these are the non-essential, non-essential to what, to who, that's a whole other thing. Uh, you know, here's what he says here. Uh, non-essential function. We believe that it's appropriate under circumstances to move in that direction. As it relates to restaurants, we have more nuanced concerns and considerations. Some have suggested just shutting down all of our restaurants. We don't believe ultimately that is necessary at this moment. This is in March 2020. Consideration nonetheless is to socially distance patrons within these establishments. As a consequence, we are directing that we reduce the current occupancy within these establishments by half, and we require social distancing within those establishments. We need to anticipate spread, Governor Newsom reminded the press. We are calling for the home isolation of all seniors in the state of California, something um, 
that's a pretty interesting one. Why seniors? Obviously, they're, they were the ones that were more affected by this as far as we knew at that time. And it's just so interesting to go back and look at this stuff, to read this stuff of what was happening in my home state in, in California at that time. Everyone 65 and older and those with chronic conditions were ordered to remain home. Um, here's what Gavin Newsom continues to say. We are doing so with our eyes wide open wide open at the magnitude of what that means and the need to provide wraparound services to support our seniors in need of medical supplies, in need of meals and the like. We recognize that social isolation for millions of Californians is anxiety inducing, but we recognize what all of the science bears out. Trust the science and what we recognize around the rest of the world that we need to meet this moment head on and lean in, not isolate ourselves to this moment, but lean in and own this moment by isolating ourselves physically. <laughs> so don't isolate yourself mentally, but physically, yeah, go for it. Oh boy. Well, we're just getting started here. And as we go on, some of you are frustrated. Some of you are screaming at the screen because you know a lot more than what's being said here. You know, you can see different things that maybe I can't see and a lot more wiser than, than I am here. It's someone who's just trying to document and report this stuff. But this is what I'm doing here is documenting and reporting it. Blaming the USA instead of leveling false accusations against China and Iran. Iranian Supreme National Security Council Secretary Ali Shimkani tweeted on March 18, 2020. There's a mouthful. U.S. officials should respond to international demands regarding its role in creating and spreading the coronavirus and the continuation of its crimes against the Iranian people by keeping in place the economic sanctions. So, um, false accusations here. If you don't know about the false accusations, you know, quote unquote, false accusations here. But basically what they're saying, what the Iran, the uh, Iranian, I don't want to say the people, it's not the people, the Iranian government, I guess, the powers that be in Iran are pretty much saying, um, and they're pretty much backing up China because the U.S. is saying, hey, this came from China. In Iran, they didn't do anything about it, et cetera, et cetera. That's why the numbers are climbing up, whatever it is. Um, this guy here, this uh, the Iranian Supreme National Security Council secretary is pretty much uh, saying that um, U.S. officials should respond to international demands regarding its role in creating and spreading the coronavirus. So they're saying the U.S., is creating this so now we have you know this these people saying this these people saying that um and uh yeah we'll see we'll see when, what is what is china saying what is china saying what is china doing but uh battle lines are kind of being drawn here as you see this this stuff so let's keep scrolling down uh let's see the next day march 19th chinese foreign ministry spokesman zhao Le, zhao lejan posted a question on Twitter. When did patient zero begin in US? How many people are infected? What are the names of the hospitals? It might be US Army who brought the academic to Wuhan. Be transparent, make public your data. 
U.S. owe us an explanation. Now, of course, there's translation, so translation may be a lot, but you pretty much get what the Chinese foreign uh, minister is saying here, posting on Twitter on March 19, 2020. They, they want to know where patient zero come from. So they're blaming the U.S. here. The U.S. is saying it came from a Wuhan lab. So you have now these two different things. Well, where, where did this thing come from? Where is patient zero as we're talking about? Um, again, going back to the uh, um, any zombie movie, I'm sure that you see, but uh, the World War Z Brad Pitt movie, you know, which um, if you haven't seen, it's definitely worth watching once, maybe twice. That's probably about it, unless you want to have bad nightmares about it. But patient zero, where's the patient zero coming from? Where did this start? So that's kind of what they're asking here. Um, to be transparent, yeah, because you know we know China and their numbers, their coronavirus numbers are very transparent, right? Okay, a call for help. In a letter from Governor Newsom, the President Trump did in March 18, 2020, the governor requested that the president immediately deploy USNS um, Mercy Hospital ship to be stationed at the port of Los Angeles through September 1st, 2020 to help decompress our current healthcare delivery system in Los Angeles re region in response to the COVID-19 outbreak. So, you know, remember it was a big thing, right? They wanted to call, they needed all this help. Trump gave them every, everything. One year later, everybody's being threatened with vaccinations. These hospitals, these nurses, these doctors, people who don't want to get vaccinated are losing their jobs. So it was a big thing back then but it's okay now, right? Now it's more like a, a mandate. Back then it was like, well, you know, we need to do this, but all these people who were helping people, all the doctors, all the nurses who stayed on staff during this time in 2020 to help people, to save lives, then they're being forced to take a vaccination when they survived all of this early stage, they survived all this early year, they may have been, you know, their, their, their natural system may have built up something to combat the coronavirus, whereas the, the vaccine may actually, you know, uh, attack what God has naturally given them, has naturally given us. It's just, it's really, really weird the way things were back then, you know, it's like, well, we need help, we need help, but they gave you the help, didn't really need it, did you? No. And where the help was needed, where it should have been, you know, given in some cases, like in senior citizen homes, in New York City, in, in the state of New New York, I should say, you know, that did that did not happen. Um, it's just a lot of weird stuff came out later on. But um, this was all, you know, they asked for help. President Trump gave them the help that that they needed. What did they do with it? What did they use it for? And did they, you know, did it did it work? Did it help? And if it did, with this two weeks to flatten this curve. Um, you know, why does everybody need to be vaccinated? People that are getting vaccinated are still getting coronavirus. It's not stopping them from getting coronavirus. It's actually creating a lot of health issues from what we can see here. So anyways, that's what I see. Whatever you see is fine too. Uh, whatever YouTube sees fit to uh, delete and uh, ban, that's their option. All right, so with the United States Naval Ship Mercy Station at the port of Los Angeles until September 1st, 2020, Governor Newsom wrote, this would help decompress the healthcare delivery systems to allow 
the Los Angeles region to ensure that it has the ability to address critical acute care needs, such as heart attacks and strokes or vehicle accidents, in addition to rapid rise in COVID-19 cases. Your wish was our command. So in March, that was um, the letter Gavin Newsom wrote to Governor Gavin Newsom wrote to President Trump, March 18, 2020. And he got exactly what he wanted. Newsom explained there was a 21% increase in new cases in COVID-19 cases, 126 new cases in 24 hours. And that number was expected to rise in the coming days. We project roughly 56% of our population, Newsom wrote to President Trump, 25.5 million people will be infected with the virus over an eight week period. I mean, talk about fear-mongering, exaggerating, whatever you wanna say, what they're expecting, where are these getting these numbers from? We know where these numbers are coming from now. Back then, I did not know. All right, so let us look at executive order in-33-20. And here's what that executive order says here. All right, due to the rapid spread of COVID-19 in the state of California on March 19th, 2020, Governor Gavin Newsom created Executive Order N-33-20 to preserve the public health and safety, Governor Newsom stated in the order, and to ensure the healthcare delivery system is capable of serving all and pri prioritizing those at the highest risk and vulnerability all residents are directed to immediately heed the current state public health directives, which I ordered the Department of Health to develop for the current statewide status of COVID-19. The order of the state public health officer demanded that all individuals living in the state of California stay home or at their place of residence, except as needed to maintain continuity of operations of the federal critical infrastructures. The order identified 16 critical infrastructure sectors whose assets, systems, and networks, whether physical or virtual, are considered so vital to the United States that their incapacitation or destruction would have a debilitating effect on security, economic security, public health, or safety or any combination thereof. Our goal is simple, the state public health officer continued. We want to bend the curve and disrupt the spread of the virus. In short, oops, let's see here. In short, where are we at here? Sorry, peeps, lost my spot. Ba -ba -ba simple. Our goal is simple. We want to bend the curve and disrupt the spread of the virus. In short, aside from access to food, prescriptions, and healthcare services, everyone in California was ordered to shelter in place. The governor also stated the Office of Emergency Services would take necessary steps to ensure compliance with this order. This order shall be enforced pursuant to California law, including but not limited to government code section 8665. At the conclusion 
of the executive order in-33-20, Governor Newsom also stated, this order is not intended to and does not create any rights or benefits, substantive or procedural, enforceable at law or in equity against the state of California, its agencies, departments, entities, or employers, employees, officers, or any other person. So there you go. That's a little uh, uh, disclaimer, <laughs> one might call it. All right, well, I think we'll go ahead and uh, stop right there. And uh, until next time, this has been the first um, episode just looking at this. We got about, what? how many pages do we get to? Maybe 15 pages or so, uh, just through this 19 of 174 pages. Okay, I guess I got a little further in this book than I wanted to. So far, so good. And I think maybe the first 60, 70 pages um, I edited down. So we'll see how far we get here. but. Um, these are just kind of the early days and we'll kind of go through this and obviously the, as we get further on, we'll talk more about the invisible enemy that is visible but not visible. What is it? Who is it? Who do you think it is? Et cetera, et cetera. But God bless you all. Thank you all for joining me here, taking a little time out of your day to, uh, to watch this. Um, I guess I could stop the screen share at any time, but yeah, so I just want to thank you all um, for just tuning in here and helping me kind of we'll go back down the memory lane of when this all started how did this affect us it affect you know we told a shelter in place to stay home obviously it would, probably would have been a lot worse for me if i would have been um paying attention to the mainstream news i'm sure it really would have been a lot worse you know maybe i may have had even more fear mongering going on but you know um the job, everything was shut down. We couldn't go anywhere. And businesses were still kind of open, still deciding what they should do. And then all of a sudden, everybody has the option to work from remote if you can, right? Not everybody could. So that was the other thing too. We were, you know, I was blessed to be able to actually work from, from home. I know not everybody had that choice and it's really sad. A lot of people lost their jobs. They lost their businesses. Non-essential to the government functions is, is one thing, but at the same time, we're being told by other people, you know, it's more, the flu is more, um, there's more chances of you dying from the flu, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, it became a weird thing with the COVID cases. What is just COVID? What is other underlying health conditions? And as we'll see here, the more that we read through this, it, the more underlying health conditions that you have, obviously, the more issues that you're going to have, vitamin D, things like that, you know, the fast food, there's so many different factors. And this virus was just like a catalyst. It was just, it narrowed in on all that. And that's why some people may compare it to a program, to a computer program, instead of just, oh, this happened, you know, somebody was eating a bat and they got a virus and this and that. Like, are these things created or are they natural? No, they're not natural. There's nothing natural about a virus. There's nothing natural about this stuff, right? It, there's a source. It comes from some type of source. As, as a Christian, obviously, it's going to come from the same evil source that all evil stems from, right? And if, you know, if, if, this, if this is something that God created or God wanted or God is, is using for his own purposes, you know, we have to look at that too. And I know that frustrates, especially non-Christians. Like, why would God let this happen? Why would God? It's like, do you understand what we're doing here? 
you understand what this life is? Do you understand, you know, this is all temporary? Nothing to fear. Do not fear anything here. Fear God. Fear the one who created you. Fear what, what will happen after you die. Don't fear death. Don't fear anything that the people can do for you, you know? Fear the one who controls the spirit and not fear as in a coward and you know, cry and all that stuff. You know, understand what it really means to fear God. To fear God. The love of God is always there. And the fear comes with it. You know, fear that you would disappoint him. Fear that you won't do what God is commanding you to do because of because you want to do what you want to do. That's something we all struggle with, something we all live with. But we'll keep going, discussing the invisible enemy. God bless you all. Thank you all for joining me here for this first episode of Little Rambling and um, 174 pages. So we still got a long way to go. But hey, made it this far. Um, don't forget, you know, keep God first and everything else will work itself out. God bless you all. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Ross from Planet X Filmworks channel on YouTube and the Zodiac Files True Crime series. Check it out and shout out to Greg and the Gray Stage channel. Their content is amazing. Interested in the paranormal? Murder mysteries? Cryptocurrency? And thought-provoking interviews? Then check out Crypt Rick's I've Been Thinking on YouTube. Or every Monday night at 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Studio A at Revolution Radio. Freedomslips.com Welcome to the Crypt. Murder at 1051 Ramsdale Drive. What happened to David Crowley, his wife, and his daughter? If this was truly a double murder-suicide, why did investigators fail to prove David Crowley guilty? Where is the evidence David Crowley killed his wife and daughter? Where is the evidence David Crowley killed himself? Within 24 hours of finding the bodies of David Kamel and Rania Crowley, the Apple Valley Police Department were treating the incident as a double murder-suicide. Authorities cannot prove David wrote Allahu Akbar in his wife's blood on the living room wall. Authorities cannot prove David wrote I have loved you all with all of my heart on a laptop in the kitchen. Authorities cannot prove David wrote Open the Rise most recent version Submit to Allah Now on a notepad in his office bedroom. Authorities cannot prove the dog trapped inside the house ate David's right hand, both of Kamel's hands, and their daughter's right arm, since dog feces tests were never done. Authorities did not know about a bullet that rolled out of a living room carpet until they were notified by the cleaning company two days after the bodies were found. That bullet would later be tied to Rania Crowley. Authorities did not see the bullet hole in the living room ceiling or the bullet in the attic above until they questioned David's friend a month after the bodies were found. 
Authorities did not find a motive to support their accusations against David Carlin. Authorities did not find David's blood on any of the bullets at the crime scene. Authorities do not know when David, Kamel, and Rania Crowley died. What we know for sure is that David Crowley has not been proven guilty.